as we ordain and install our leadership for this year's uh, team of leaders. I want us to look at a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 20 together. If you have your Bible, you can start turning there. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul and another evangelist named Silas are finishing up what is Paul's second missionary journey, kind of a loop up around Asia Minor and uh, part of the Mediterranean Sea and back home again to Jerusalem. This is their second journey. And as he is going back toward Jerusalem, he keeps getting these warnings that he's going to be mistreated there, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be abused, maybe even killed, and a lot of harsh treatment is ahead of him. Even so, he insisted that God wanted him to go there to defend the gospel of Christ right in Jerusalem itself. And as it turned out, as soon as he arrived in Jerusalem, within a few days, he was arrested. And he spent the next two years just trying to survive in prison while they decided what to do with him. And eventually, he was sent over to Rome because he was a Roman citizen. And he appeared before Caesar himself to defend himself, as described by the last two chapters of the book of Acts. Well, here in Acts chapter 20... Paul is on his way back towards Jerusalem, still being warned about these things, these threats upon his life, and he, his ship stops at a place called Miletus. A little point out there from Asia Minor, not far from the city of Ephesus where he had spent a lot of time. In fact, he had lived in Ephesus and ministered there, started the church, and, and worked with the people there for about three years. And when the ship docks in Miletus, he is determined that he's going to see the people from, from Ephesus again, uh, before he goes to Jerusalem, knowing it might be, probably would be, his last time to see them. And so he sent a message for them to come and meet him there on the beach at Miletus. And there he gives one of the most eloquent, the most powerful speeches on leadership anywhere in the Bible. Now let me ask you something. If you knew that your life was about to end, or you thought it might be, and this would be your last time to see some of these beloved friends brothers and sisters in Christ, what would you want to say to them? Your last words. What would you want to say to them? And that's what's on Paul's heart. He, he wanted them to know just the core, the, the most important thing. And some of them, uh, particularly a few of them, were the elders, the leaders of that church. And so he spoke directly to them. Paul chose to remind them of his own example. And how he had lived when he was with them in their city, the city of Ephesus. And he reminded them with very strong and emotional words how he had not only told them what to do, but he had shown them what to do by his own example. So let's go to that chapter 20, starting down at verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Gentiles that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. 
However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. In this message to the Ephesian elders, he twice said, I have not hesitated. I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God, he says. This I have not hesitated is Paul's way of saying, this has been my life. This has been my priority. This has been my objective from day one that you would know the will of God and you would live for God. He did everything he could everything in his power, everything in his strength and energy to get the good news of Jesus Christ to the people of Ephesus and anywhere else that God would take him. Paul was a great servant leader of the church. And so on this slide that I've got uh, backing up the, today's sermon, I want you to know what servant leadership is. He was a man who had changed from the kind of leadership he was as a Jew to the kind of leadership he was as a Christian. And it was radically, uh, dramatically, drastically different. And as he told these leaders from Ephesus, I'm not just telling you what to do. I have shown you. I have done this. You have watched me for three years. And so this morning, before we ordain and install our leaders, I want to think about three qualities of leadership that we see in servant leadership. What is servant leadership? This is the kind of leadership of Jesus. This is the kind of leadership he did on the night that he was betrayed when he washed the disciples' feet. He took off his outer robe of authority, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he washed their feet. And he said, this is the kind of leadership I have. This is the kind of leadership you will be. So what do we see in the Apostle Paul? First quality is humility. Servant leaders lead with humility. This is not the quality we find in the world, is it? 
Usually there's kind of an arrogance and pride about leadership, kind of a, uh, you know, filled up with their own abilities and their skills, their intelligence, their opinion, all their accomplishments. They want to impress everybody else. They want us to know how important they are to the success of the company. And so the leadership of today is drastically different than this. This is a leadership that begins with humbling ourselves and serving. Even church leaders can get this wrong sometimes. You know, they get all kind of proud of their opinion, proud of their knowledge, maybe even Bible knowledge, or, or very determined to see something through that they may end up discovering being almost diametrically opposed to God. At one time, I think Paul was a prideful man. He was a man intent on pursuing his own career, his own dreams of great leadership. But then Jesus got a hold of him and everything changed. We find him as Saul of Tarsus, early on in the book of Acts, opposed to Christianity, the very movement of God. And he was trying to stamp out Christianity. And he was trying to elevate himself. He'd become kind of a lieutenant to the high priest. And he's out persecuting Christians, chasing down Christians, and pushing his own agenda for his own success. And then Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus and everything changed. He was down, brought to his knees and blinded until God finally said, okay, this is what I want you to be. You are a chosen vessel of mine. You will serve me as I tell you to serve me. And you will give uh, great uh, sacrifices in order to accomplish what I'm going to do in your life. And Paul, uh, uh, anybody who could possibly put up his example, gave and gave and gave. He he found himself, you know, in the open uh, waters, struggling for his life, and he found himself stoned to death several times, and he found people against him and mobs coming against his preaching, and yet he persevered because he humbled himself and he was wherever God wanted him to be. One preacher said, in spite of his greatness, Paul was a humble man. He is perhaps the greatest Christian of all the Bible. But he didn't strut around saying, yeah, I'm Paul, I wrote about a third of the New Testament, and... Uh, so listen up. Now what he said was, things like in 1 Corinthians 15, I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. 1 Timothy 1.15, here's a trustworthy saving, saying that deserves fullest acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He humbled himself and made himself available to God, and God used him in a powerful way. Humility means that you know your unworthiness, and God can use you more powerfully when you recognize that the worthiness is His, that the goodness is His, the strength is His. Pride is a sin that we must all defeat. If any good comes from our leadership, then God's going to get the credit for that. Dr. Samuel Brangle of the Salvation Army said, The axe cannot boast of the trees it has cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. The woodsman made it, he sharpened it, he used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes only old iron lying in the grass. Oh, that I may never forget this. So may we always lead with humility. May that be the first thing we think of to serve. Second quality I note in the Apostle Paul is honesty. Honesty refers to both the person's integrity and to their sincerity. A good leader is the same inside and out. What you see on the surface is what he is inside. He is true. He is genuine. He was the same all the way through. A good leader is completely honest in all of his dealings with people. He never hesitates to do the right thing, the good thing, 
And this is how the Apostle Paul led all of the churches that we know about as he started churches and he preached the gospel. As he brought people to Christ and discipled them, he was honest and straightforward in all of his dealings. To a good leader, doing the wrong thing is unthinkable. But find a way to do the right thing every time. I heard about this pastor that uh, ran into the market one day to pick up a few items. He was on his way to an appointment. He was running a little bit late, but he needed to get those items on the way because time was short. He was in a big hurry, went through the checkout counter, paid for everything, got his stuff, went out to the car, and then as he started up his car, he realized the lady had given him more change than he was deserving. Well, he thought, what am I going to do about this? I'm really late already. You know, I have several options. I can just let it go, you know, just go ahead and, and think, well, it's just a very small amount of money. People make these mistakes all the time. They'll have a way to make up for that. Uh, he, he could run back in and, and make it right, but then make himself late. So he's just struggling with this. Finally decided, I've got to go in and do this. So shut off the car, locked the door, went back inside, went up to the same checkout counter lady, and she says, I'm sorry, but you gave me too much change by accident. And just then a tear started coming down her cheek and said, it was no accident, sir. I was at your church Sunday. And you talked about honesty. I wanted to know if you really meant it. Apparently you did. There are a lot of Christians that don't remember that other people are watching them. I want you to remember that. Not to be a leader. The people around you, you know that you live for Christ, are looking at you. What are you doing? Are you living the way you say you live? Are you true to your word? Leaders? The people of this church are watching you all the time, too. And the way you do things is the way they're going to do things. And if you never hesitate to do the right thing, then they will never hesitate to do the right thing. They're listening to the words that come out of your mouth. They're looking at your actions. They're looking up to see if, if you have a sincere devotion to Christ. Is it evident in everything about you? So we must be people of integrity. We must be people of honesty and lead with that. Third quality that Paul had is a very important quality also. In fact, maybe it trumps everything else. He led with his heart. A heart that he had for God. Two times in this speech to the elders at Ephesus, Paul mentioned his tears. They had seen his emotion before, and they certainly saw it that day, and they responded in an emotional way. Before he left them, it says they all huddled down on the beach, they prayed, and they cried together. Must have been a very emotional scene, don't you think? Paul was an emotional man. He wasn't afraid to show his feelings. Now, I struggle with that. And some of you struggle with that, men, because you were raised as I was, that boys don't cry. At least they don't cry in public. If you cry, do that privately where nobody sees those tears. And when emotion grips you, don't do anything about that. You know, just kind of stay cool. You'll be okay. You'll get through it. But I think emotion is one of the greatest things we can ever demonstrate. And I think the heart that we have inside of us needs to be shown. In another place, in the second letter to the church at Corinth, Paul said, I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and many tears. That's how he wrote the letter. He was disturbed. He was emotional. And he wanted to convey that. He wrote, he says, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. most manly thing we can sometimes do is to show our weakness, to show our tenderness, to, to fill up with emotion when our heart is touched. 
I read about another pastor that moved to a new church. It was an inner city church. He'd never really been there before. He wasn't that familiar with the inner city, except he knew it was a pretty tough assignment. He knew that, that the neighborhood around it was a pretty bad neighborhood, and so he was going to be challenged. People were struggling in that neighborhood. He'd been there about a week or so when one of the church leaders found him standing at the office window in church, weeping as he looked out over the neighborhood and that, that portion of the city, all the tragic conditions that were there. And the other church leader thought he could comfort him, and he said to him, he says, you know, don't worry about that after a while. It won't cause you to cry. And the pastor looked at him, still with a tear dripping down his cheek, and he said, that's why I'm crying. I'm afraid I'm going to lose that emotion. I'm going to lose that compassion. We must never let this happen to us, leaders. You're going to be dealing with a lot of sad and painful situations. You're going to deal with a lot of joy, too. There will be a lot of fun involved. But you're going to deal with some of the hardest things people have to go through. You're going to have people come to the church and their, their, their problems are greater than you know what to do with. You can't apply any easy fix. And you've got to get in there and grapple with them. You've got to get in there and struggle with them. And you've got to get in there and find solutions together. And it's going to be painful. And you have to learn not to panic when something tragic is happening because when everybody else is panicked, somebody's got to keep things together. Somebody's got to keep things going. And you will learn in some ways to set aside your emotions to some degree so that you can help someone else in great need. Kind of like the EMT comes onto the scene of an accident and everybody else is tragic and traumatized by it and, and they have to get to business. They don't have time for that. You have to do that, but make sure that it doesn't create callousness. Make sure that it doesn't anesthetize you against the pain somehow. Never lose your heart of compassion for broken, hopeless people. Paul wept at the very thought of people going to hell. And it drove him to reach everyone he could before they went. To stop them from going. To offer them what God is offering all of us in Christ. In Romans 9, he wrote about his fellow Jews. And he said, you know, I, I could wish if possible that I would go to hell so that they could be saved. So strongly do I want them to go. That's a very powerful statement, isn't it? But that's the heart of Christ. Because he went to hell so we wouldn't have to. It was Paul's love for lost and, and unfaithful people. People that are making hundreds of mistakes and that's why they're living there. But still he had this compassion for them that said, I will serve you. I will love you. I will share the good news with you. Because that is God's heart for you. And so he made the many sacrifices he made because his heart was filled with that love of God. Nothing was more important than, than to Paul than bringing lost people to Christ. And then helping them bring their lost friends and neighbors to Christ. So this example that we see in Paul is what we want to somehow uh, take from him as a mantle to wear as leaders. And we have uh, someone stepping into deaconship for the first time today as a leader. We have others that will, will continue leading that have been doing that for several years. And you have leadership in your life too. May we, we may make this decision today 
that we will lead with humility and we will lead with honesty and we will lead with our hearts. And God will be praised and God will be honored and God's kingdom will grow. I'm going to invite uh, those who are going to be ordained or installed, I should say, as elders to come forward. Uh, One of them is not able to be here. As far as I know, unless he slipped in here at the last minute. That's Dan Higgins. Dan just had very uh, serious surgery this week on his neck and was not able to be here today. Uh, Vicki is here. So, Vicki, would you stand up for a minute there? Uh, This is Dan's wife. Go ahead, just stand up for a moment. That's all. I'm going to make you come up. Thank you, Vicki. No, we're not going to ordain you or install you, so I don't have to worry about that. But Dan is very much a part of our leadership team. Uh, in in our church, the elders serve for two years. Dave will be continuing the second year of his term. But both Tim uh, Goldfish and Dan Higgins uh, are being newly elected, so they can serve another two years uh, within the Lord's church here. So as as I pray for these guys up here, Dave Dunn and, and Tim Goldfish, uh, would you please pray with me too? Father, I thank you uh, that you have provided for us leaders who truly care. Leaders that have already exhibited these qualities of humility and honesty and a tremendous heart for people. I thank you for Dave and Tim and Dan. I thank you for their devotion to you, for the many hours I've seen them put in to serve you, to to help people, uh, to lead your church here. A lot of that has not been easy. A lot of that has been demanding on their time and on their emotion a strain on them in in a lot of ways. But they have uh, borne the burden of that because they care and because they love you, Father. I ask for your blessing upon them. I pray for Jill Dunn. I pray for Cindy Goldfish and for Vicki Higgins as well because they are also part of this team. They are part of the, the leadership of this church. And I pray that you would bless these couples as they serve you. Uh, that you would keep them strong in their faith, and that you would help them, Lord, to just keep their eyes on you. uh, Because in that way, they can glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're very excited today to have uh, one of our young men uh, become a deacon for the first time. Inside your bulletin today was a little sheet here for ordination installation service. If you would please look at that. You will see the ordination of a new deacon, Jeremy Sims. And uh, Jeremy and, and Kimberly, would you all stand up for just a moment, please, so we can see you? There's Kimberly right there. Jeremy, thank you, Kimberly. Jeremy, come on up here for a minute. Jeremy has agreed to serve as a deacon in the church. Now, elders are overseers of the church. They're charged with the, the spiritual uh, and uh, growth, the spiritual vitality uh, the spiritual movement of the church. Deacons are charged in, in more physical areas, uh, physical facilities, uh, resources, and uh, a lot of working with, with people in those areas. And so uh, Jeremy has, has agreed to serve in that capacity this year. And I'd like to ask you a question, and then uh, you can respond as it says here. Brothers and sisters, Do you acknowledge that the man standing before me today has been selected to serve as a deacon in the Lord's Church here at New Hope? Do you wish to set him apart today for the special task God has given him? Good. 
And Jeremy Sims, do you promise God that you will serve the Lord faithfully in your life and witness as a deacon in the local church? Do you promise to keep yourself morally pure and spiritually fit so God can use you effectively in his kingdom? I do. Good. We're very happy to have you on board here and be a part of our leadership team. I think it's fitting that Jeremy's parents are also with us today and also uh, Kimberly's sister and, and husband. And we're, we're delighted to have them be a part of this. Now we're going to share in a time of prayer uh, for Jeremy as he's ordained officially in the New Testament. Uh, the leaders would lay their hands on the person uh, to symbolize God's blessing and ask for God's strength and power to be in them. And both Dave and Tim are going to share in this ordination today. So, Jeremy, if you would stand in here. And guys, if you would pray for him, please. Lord God, as we come before you today, we're so thankful for Jeremy that he has self-examined himself. We reviewed his, uh, his character according to your word. And we're thankful that... Uh, Jeremy is working in your will to help serve as a leader in the church. Uh, Lord, we ask for your blessing, for your spirit to work through Jeremy as he works to uh, works on your kingdom, Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, both inside these walls and outside, at home, at work, in the places that he goes. Uh, Lord, we ask that... Uh, Jeremy fulfills your will for his life. Christ, I pray. Father Tim and I, uh, Dan and Abstentiator, Lord, just humble ourselves before you. We thank you so much, Father, for the privilege it is to serve your church. The anxious about doing all that we can do to further your gospel here in this place, the good news of Jesus to those that this church touches. We thank you that Jeremy has come forward and expressed a desire, Lord, to serve as a deacon here in this place. We thank you for Kimberly, and we thank you for the family that they have. We're just grateful, Father, that through their example, we've seen these qualities uh, demonstrated, these qualities of honesty and humility, trustworthiness, Father, and we thank you, Lord, that uh, there's a willingness to take their service mm -hmm. to the next level. I pray, too, uh, as Tim mentioned, that we would receive your blessing upon Jeremy and Kimberly too, that you would protect them, that you would put your shroud of protection around them and their family, and that you would just guard their hearts, protect their purity, that they would continue to raise their children, Lord, in a way that's God-honoring, and that, that all of those matters that are involved in maintaining uh, their own relationship with each other would be protected and built up, Father. For those things at home need to be right before we can serve effectively here in your kingdom. So I do ask for that also, Father. We give you thanks for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice, Father, for his resurrection, for the 
establishment of your church and for how it continues uh, to try to carry out your will, Father, as we endeavor to do that as your church. And so we pray your blessing again on this congregation, Father, and I pray for each and every one here uh, that they would lift up each other and the leadership here, Father, on a daily basis, that we would be united and that we would be resolved to uh, carry on your work here in the very best way possible. I thank you in the name of Jesus for this privilege. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. We have uh, two other deacons that will be continuing. I'd like to ask uh, Jerry Threat to come forward and uh, Leanne Threat. Is Leanne here? There. Would you just stand for a minute? Thank you, Leanne. This is Jerry's wife. Also, Joe Scott, come forward and Teresa, Joe's wife. You stand. Thank you very much. If you guys would come up here. Uh, these uh, two men have served faithfully for several years now. A deacon serve one year at a time, but they can continue serving year by year. And so these two have come forward today to serve the Lord uh, through this coming year. And we're delighted for them to do that. And uh, we're going to say a prayer for them also now. So would you pray as Dave leads us? Lord, continuing uh, just to thank you and praise you and give you honor due your name. I thank you for, uh, for Jerry and Joe and their families and their ongoing commitment to serve you too, uh, Lord. Likewise, I'd like to pray for your protection over them and their lives, uh, the challenges that they face uh, daily, as we all do, and I pray that you would equip them with your Holy Spirit uh, to uh, have the energy uh, and the ability, Lord, to continue to serve you as well as they have over these years. And, uh, we just give you great thanks uh, for, uh, for, for their commitment. Uh, for the commitment of their wives and for just the blessing I know they are to our entire congregation. I just ask that you lift them up, build them up, strengthen them, uh, equip them, and sustain them, Father, as they serve throughout this uh, coming year, that your kingdom might be advanced and furthered uh, through uh, all that they are willing to commit as well. And Father, uh, in closing, I thank you for this congregation, uh, who I know... Uh, has ministries all over the place that they're involved in. And I just pray for each and every every uh, uh, member and a regular attender here, Lord, uh, that, uh, that you would bless them and what they do too uh, in uh, cooperation with uh, the elders and deacons uh, that are set aside for service this year. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, According to our bylaws, when we have our election, there are also other individuals uh, and uh, places of service. Our treasurer, Teresa Scott, our assistant treasurer, Cheryl Pepin, clerks, Leanne Threat, Chris Drezdowski, and Judy McDermott, and uh, trustee Jeremy Sims. There are actually four trustees on a rotating basis, each serving four years, and uh, Jeremy will be coming on as that. So would these individuals please step forward for a minute, and uh, Jerry is going to lead us in prayer for them. Teresa and Leanne, Judy, Chris. You didn't think you'd have to come off, did you? <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> Jerry, would you lead us in prayer for these people, please? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for all of those that stand up and come forward for you. 
for those that have been named today, and for those unnamed, those unsung heroes within this congregation. All those individuals here that, that step forward on a weekly, daily, even on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. The leaders that we have here from our Sunday school classes that start from the babies and work their way through the youth up to the adults. Those that spend those extra hours every week opening up your word so that they can bring that word to a group of other individuals and your word can be opened and discussed. Lord, for the other individuals that look at the ministries and they go out and they assist the communities and they assist the community within this New Hope Christian Church. The times that they spend and, and the efforts that they have to do and, and many times they're probably on their knees praying to you asking for the right guidance and the right way to go. How awesome is that, Lord, that, that you touch so many within our community here in this little, little church of ours that can go out and spread your word. Lord, Paul did it. He was our example. Jesus, he's our leader. And it's through his name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Would you be seated, please? <clears throat> I know that all of these folks, uh, and uh, Christian and I included, covet your prayers as we begin this new year together. And uh, really... All of it is only possible through God and through His uh, direct intervention and protection and guidance. And so we ask for Him to continue doing that this year. Um, I do ask you to pray for our leaders, especially tomorrow night as we meet and Saturday as we uh, come together for our leadership retreat. And may it be a, a time when our hearts are, are uh, completely open to God, to His leadership, to His guidance for this congregation. Uh, we're going to close with a song. Uh, it's a very powerful song about our stand together for Christ, our stand individually for Christ, and uh, whether or not we're willing to take that stand. Would you stand with me now as we sing? And let's stand for Christ together as we sing. <laughs>